This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. These all died in faith, having not received the promises. So their dying was the their dying underscored the fact that each showing up is not the evidence of being in faith. Receiving it is the evidence of being in faith. They are dying before they received it showed that they still were in faith. So you receiving it is not the evidence of being in faith. You physically taking possession of that which you believed for is not the evidence that you believed. From the perspective of God, when God, Abraham believed God, God counted it to righteousness for him. Even before the actions showed it, when his heart embraced God as honorable to do what he said he will do, God treated him as righteous. That's what you and I need to resolve. And the pressure is, we live even in a Christian environment that says our faith is validated when it shows up. So really our pressure is we're allowing people put pressure on us. Go back to that place where it's between you and God. Go back to that place where it's about you and God. One of the most alarming scriptures in my mind is David's statement, you alone have I sinned against. David, you killed a man. You gave his wife, Bele. And you are saying, you alone have I sinned against. That is the mind of a man that knows that for him to dwell in the temple of God is this one thing. One thing. This is the only thing my heart strays and yearns for. This is the only thing that I stretch and long for. Our problem is we allow ourselves yearn and stretch for too many things. Too much of this world tugs on our heart. And that's the only reason why a man will make a statement that it is because someone doesn't have great faith that he'll be martyred for his faith. No, sir. People that martyred for their faith is out of their love for the master. Is out of their love for the one that gave his life for them. They said they counted it an honor to be punished for his name. That is found in the place of the crucified life. That is found when we as a church go back to the place where being pleasing to him is all our lives is for. Galatians 2.20 For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That kind of consecration to the master that owns our life is the consecration that by faith they refused to, re- to accept deliverance because they knew it was in God's will. That's the consecration that this money 
driven, external, stuffed Christianity has taken our hearts away from. He redeemed our lives, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood. It cost God everything to buy us back. And until we get to that place, the souls for whom he died will never be a priority for us. The great harvest that he talked to us about that is already white will never be a priority for us. It will be buildings. It will be stuff. It will be success. It will be everything else but souls. You will never set your eye on a person that Jesus did not die for. I felt God tell me this. 80 million Muslims is not acceptable to the cause of the cross in Nigeria. No. No. You notice how it got quiet in here. 80 million Muslims is not acceptable to the cause of the cross. We can keep playing church. We can keep acting like a new building, a new jet, a new, is all that is important. But that's not what that cross is for. He died for souls. He died for souls. He died for souls. He died for souls. That cross was about the souls of humanity. He went to hell for all of humanity. And no man deserves to die without hearing that gospel preached in clarity at least once. The preaching of the gospel is a spiritual human right for every human being. And until we get off this Christianity that is preoccupied with stuff, we've missed our way. Oh, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. We've missed our way significantly. And part of why you're in this school is to recalibrate. It's about the lost. To reach the least regions of this world. It's about the lost. That's what is on your syllabus. It's about the lost. I'm already deep now, so don't stop. Oh, I will. You see, the message of faith is about developing trust in God to see his kingdom come in the earth. Will it meet my personal needs? Absolutely. But for me to think my personal need is a preoccupation, I've missed direction. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He came to introduce a kingdom that we were supposed to enter through the new bat and make a preoccupation to invite others to enter. The nurturing and the cultivating of our faith is obedience to him to do everything and to reach everyone that he called us to reach. And that is why for me, this issue of love is a big thing. I felt God put in my heart some time ago. Every form of prejudice, every form of prejudice, racial, tribal, um, social, economic, educational, Anything that makes you judge a person 
by externalities and not judge them by the value that God placed on their soul to go to the cross to die for them is designed for you and I to undermine the lost and not be passionate for the people he died for. The essence of faith is for you and I to go. The reason for faith is to trust him and obediently to go. To people that may not look like you, to people that may not sound like you, to people that may not care for you, to people that may not like you, to people that may flat out hate you, but just like he came and loved us enough to give his life, that if it requires it, we will give our lives. That is Christianity. That is Christianity. These things of acquiring stuff is child's play. What he's inviting us to is a depth of a relationship with him so that we feel his heartbeat and we recognize that as the clock of time winds down, our time is short and we must do all we need to do. The truth about it is on the mountain of obedience, there's provision. Some of the things you and I are struggling about the truth is, if we were in the place where God asked us to be, your provision will be there. I am a personal testimony to that. About three years ago, God started dealing with me about leaving pastoral ministry. I love pastoring. I enjoy pastoring. Maybe my problem is I enjoy it too much. Funnily, God spoke to me that I was not going to be a pastor. More than 20 years ago, some of what I'm doing now in ministry. And I didn't think I was going to pastor this long. I got so used to pastoring that when he started telling me it was time up, I started struggling with it. Eventually, I shook off and admitted. I dealt with my pastor. We worked out a strategy, and over a three-year period, I transitioned. It's be, it'll be one full year next month. One full year of not drawing a five-figure salary in the United States, living in D.C. with kids in private schools. And God has met our needs because I was obedient to him. Listen to me. I'm not saying that to say I'm better than anybody else. I'm saying that for most of us, we are not in the place where he told us to be. On the mountain of obedience, you will find his provision. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you it's going to be all comfortable. I'm saying if you do what he tells you to do, go where he told you to go. To deliver what he told you to deliver, he will take care of your needs. And you won't have to arm twist and manipulate people. So the issue is, do we have enough faith to believe him? How do we cultivate that faith? Let's round up with those thoughts. So I use those long phrases to say, faith is being convinced of what you're hoped for. And we spend time emphasizing in this session that being convinced comes primarily with spending time with the Father, knowing who you are in the Son, and yielding to the person of the Holy Spirit in worship. Primarily through his word. Primarily through his word. You, you and I have to make reading his word, meditating his word, a greater priority. A greater priority. Spending time meditating on the entirety of the counsel of his word. Yes, we affirm that the reality of who we are is found in the epistles. But the whole counsel is inspired. 
We have to recommit to that. We have to recommit to that. We have to recommit to quality prayer. Not this gimme, 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 bless me and Jimmy prayer. Prayer that is God, your heart must become my heart. What you want is my desire. This life is yours. Your will, O oh God. A prayer that is steeped in consecration. It, humility has to become of greater value to us as a group of people. Our culture abhors humility. We're condescending on humility in our culture. Pride and arrogance is rewarded. We have to model against that from a place of prayer. That's how to cultivate strong faith. Let's round up. Remember what I said? There are three primary areas to faith. What faith is, which is the only thing I've dealt with. How faith comes and faith must be released. Like I told you, you will not find a better human being on earth, in my opinion, than Reverend Tokumbo Adeju want to deal with that, and he will. So this is what we're saying. Faith is being sure or being certain or being confident or being convinced or being persuaded of things hoped for. Any of those words. And what I try to emphasize is that conviction, that certainty, that confidence, that persuasion is not mental. It's something that comes from spending time in the presence of God and in his word. A few more thoughts. Faith in God is faith in his word. What we see in John 1, verse 1 to 3, and John 4, 1, 14, is this emphasis that the word is God. To put faith in God is to put faith in his word. Someone please turn to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. Okay, I'm already there. 23.19. Secondly, God's word has integrity. This whole ministry, Rema Bible Training Center, is built around the integrity of God's word. The wholeness that is found in God's word. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken it and shall he not make it good? God's word has integrity, and we allow the word of God that has integrity build surety, build certainty, build confidence, build persuasion of the things we hope for. God's word has integrity. Numbers 23, 19. John 6, 63 also underscores that fact. His word is spirit and life. So we're talking about the fact that faith in God is faith in his word. 
that God's word has integrity. We're saying faith then is the warranty, is the title deed, is the receipt, is what you're holding on that what you hope for, you will get it. Nothing else is the title deed. If someone asks you, how do you know you believe? You can say, according to God's word, I said and declared this in prayer. That's all. That's the evidence. Is the title deed that you're holding on to. My wife and I agreed concerning that based on Matthew 18, 18. That's our evidence. Certainty. God's word is the warranty, the evidence. This is also important. Faith is giving substance to things hoped for. It's your faith, God bless you, that feeds your hope. You keep expecting. You keep expecting. Some, I know it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Why it's going to happen? Because we're standing on God's word. Because we declared. That's the difference. Faith is a now proposition. Faith is not saying it shall come. Faith says, I got it. It may shall come, but I got it. I'm not saying it won't come. It will come. But the reason it will come is because I already received it by faith. My receiving it by faith is the reason I'm giving thanks for it. Before it shows up, faith feeds your hope. It gives substance to hope. It supplies strength to your hope. It keeps your hope alive. The reason you're expecting is because of your faith. Next one, faith grasps the, the realities. Faith grasps, it holds the reality of the realm that is unseen. It grasps of the realm that is unseen. Because faith is of the heart. It holds it. It holds it. It holds it. That's why you go back to that scripture over and over. Over and over. In this, when God spoke to our hearts about moving, same phrase, pastored five, six years in the city of London. God spoke to our hearts that it was time to move and gave us specific instructions. Then he gave me that scripture in, in Titus 2.11 to 13. That was the scripture to, to guide our transition. Find a scripture that covers your case. Then look, go back to that scripture. Sometimes when it seems he gives you a scripture that seems unconnected, you keep meditating on it. Light will come. Light will come. Remember what I said? The pioneering spirit is the spirit of faith. That nobody has done it like you're doing it business-wise. That nobody has done it like you're doing it ministry-wise. Provided God's word has spoken to you and his spirit has witnessed in you, do it. Three years ago, when God dealt with me and I went to my pastor, I said, I believe God is telling me to start two organizations, a non-profit organization 
and a travel ministry. It was crazy to even start one at that point in time. 2016, November, I, I'm leading two organizations. And he's provided for both. For someone that has never started organizations in his life. And it's not because I have connections. It's just simple an act of faith. What we do in Haiti, someone said, asked me recently, he said, how's Haiti? I said, he said, he must have gone up to 50 times. I said, not yet, only 27 times. But we keep going in obedience. In obedience. In obedience to him. We did it in wisdom. We submitted to authority. But there's no compromise to obeying him. None. Faith grasps the realities of the unseen realm. Your hope for physical strength to do work you must do comes by faith. You know, when it comes to this, and let's just hit this issue here because we touched it a little bit with mom's question. Being in faith is not an excuse for sloppiness. It's not. The way some of us treat our bodies is just irresponsible. Coming from someone that is sometimes irresponsible. The way some of us treat our bodies is irresponsible. Coming from someone that is sometimes irresponsible. We need to eat better. There's some late eating that is not evidence of wisdom. And I have that unique challenge because I don't like eating before I preach. So when I eat late and I, it just worries me, then the weight comes. Then you want to believe God. And you don't go to gym. How does that have to do with faith? Everything. You are going to want to believe God for long life. You are going to want to quote that scripture with long life. You just satisfy me. Then the eating habits are off. Your faith grows by knowledge. There's some things just natural knowledge. You, you have to... Many times in the place of faith, we avoid this thing of accountability. Find people that are believing with you and let them change the habits that serve faith. Notice, faith takes steps. Talks about Romans 4. Walking in the steps of our father Abraham. Steps of faith. Many times we want to take leaps. Take small steps first. Make up your mind you won't eat after seven. Make up your mind that if you eat after seven, it will be vegetables or fruits. That sounds like what does that have anything to do with everything? You are going to want to believe God for healing. Some of the issues of healing that some of us will deal with in 10 years is eating habits now. Is spending habits that affect believing God for money habits. There are appetites that we're developing are spending that is just covetous. Oh, what does this have to do with faith? Everything. How much you spend on yourself affects what you send to the mission field.
I've already said this, but I'll emphasize it again. Faith looks back to the finished work of redemption and believes in it now. Though the work was finished then, you must believe that I am accepted in the beloved now by faith. That the pain of the guilt of an abuse, the shame associated with the abortion of a baby, the shame associated with a failed, of, failed marriage, I am accepted in the beloved now. That's faith. You have to forgive yourself by faith. Faith is now. Use your words to emphasize it. I release forgive, unforgiveness over that situation. I receive forgiveness over that situation by faith. God has forgiven me. I forgive myself by faith. I think I have about 10 minutes. Let's talk about the love of God. Scripture talks about faith that works by love. I made this statement yesterday, and I'll qualify it now. The way you love the person you like is the mirror perfect reflection of your love for God. We'll say it again. The way you love the person you like the least is the mirror perfect reflection of your love for God at its highest. In Mark 12, verse 28, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the number one commandment? Jesus responds, quoting from Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I said, is either Jesus did not hear the question, or he wanted to emphasize something. Because when you ask someone who is the greatest heavyweight champion boxer of all times, everybody says, Muhammad Ali. You don't say, uh, Tyson. No, no, no. Once you say two, there's no greatest. What's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. The second is like unto. The, third, the word they like unto is the answer to the question. Is the Latin word H-O-M-O-I-S-E. It means of the same essence and character. Equal in essence. Not restricted by time or space. It's same. In other words, the first one is the same in essence as the second one. The second one is really an extension of the first one. So I felt God tell me this. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. He took me to this scripture in Genesis and the fourth chapter. Did we talk about this? Cain and Abel? Oh. Cain. 
brought a sacrifice unto the Lord. Abel brought a sacrifice unto the Lord. The Lord accepted him and his sacrifice. And he had witness by his sacrifice. Hebrews tells us in 11. Cain, the Lord rejects something in his heart that flowed into his sacrifice and rejected not just his sacrifice, but him. And I said that as a caveat, that we collect your offering in church doesn't mean God collects it. But that's a subject for another day. So God goes back to him and said, why are you rot and your face distorted? I've just corrected you on something. Why are you acting like you're making a big deal? Sin is actually what is causing this distortion. You need to master it. If you don't master it, it will master you. That was the last conversation God had with anybody under the old covenant about the being called sin. So the question came, who corrected Cain? Bible students, who corrected Cain? Who was Cain angry with? You're jumping. Who was Cain angry with? Why? Because God corrected him. Who did Cain kill? Who did God, who did Cain kill? Who did Cain kill? His brother Abel. Who was he angry with? How you treat people is really how you want to treat how you treat people is really how you treat I use this illustration quite frequently when I started pastoring in the, in the United States 2006 within like two three months I must have had this statement a ton of times I'm mad with God you be in a counseling session here. I'm mad with God. <laughs> and my Nigerian liver quivered for them. My, my liver will just shake a little inside. You are mad with God. And over a few months, I kept processing this. I'm mad with God. I was saying, I'm mad with God. I'm mad with God. Then I felt God tell me once and say, you know, you are mad with me many times. You're just too religious or too superstitious to say it. That's not only true of me. That's true of you all. How you treat people is really how you treat God. We've evolved a theology that makes us comfortable with going, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Then you can come out of that and go, you take Chris, you not see. Because in our mind, I can love you, Lord. I can love you, Lord. 
you the craze, you know the sea. No, 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 no. How you love the person you like the least is the mirror perfect reflection of how you love God at his highest. Look with me to 1 John and the fourth chapter. 1 John 4. 1 John and chapter 4. Let's zip down to verse 19. Someone just broke the seal on a can of worms. He said, all of you that beat your house girls. <laughs> verse 20, verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he had not seen? Verse 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. One translation says, the commandment we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. New Living Translation says, He that loves God must love his brother also. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. But listen to me. You were not designed to love people in your strength. Remember that scripture we saw in Ephesians 1 from the... Message translation, verse 3. He says, he made us the focus of his love to be made whole and holy in love. God's master plan is that daily coming to the foot of the cross, daily being mindful that it was my sin that placed him on that cross, that it was my sin that sent him to hell, that me coming to the cross to embrace his love afresh, a fresh download of love floods my soul. A fresh appreciation of his love for me floods my soul. And as my soul, my spirit, my being is saturated with love, in the same way that towel is saturated with water when it is deep, as I am saturated with love afresh, with a deep sense of humility, but for his mercy and grace. I leave that place of encounter with him, and I go to spill the love afresh that I received afresh. Because in that place of receiving downloads of love is where love of God displaces the fear that drove my actions, that displaces the shame that drives my actions, that displaces the guilt that inferiority that drives my action. Perfect love displaces, casts out fear. Once that fear is displaced, then the, that thing of, ah, me, forgive them, never. Uh, it, it doesn't come out. Why? In the place of love, love, 
Love, love, love transforms me. Oh my God, that, that blesses me. That's good preaching right there. The transformation, the metamorphosis is not something we can do to ourselves. The metamorphosis is what we do, making ourselves available to love, to, to, to displace. Just like a dirty cup under a leaking water faucet overnight. Little drops of love. You come in the morning and every filth is washed out of that cup. Why? By displacement. We come to the cross, the place of fellowship with the Father. And through fellowship, a displacing of fear. The fear that makes you speak out of anger. The fear that makes you trust that you know they want to get me. So I better get them before they get me. A place of knowing that he, my life is in his hands. He has my future. The omniscient one is trustworthy. He can take care of all that concerns me. He loved me before the foundation. A receiving by faith of his love displaces that fear. And you can come and look at someone that is despitefully using you and go, God bless you. And not mean it in that. God... God will get you. No, no, no. I'm talking about a love for him. A hu <laughs> you, you know, as Nigerians, we have these phrases that only us can come up with. God will catch you. No, 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 no. Love, love, when love touches your heart and love softens your heart, you really don't want God to catch them <laughs> in that sense. In that sense. Because you realize, but for love, but for love that saved me, but for his grace that forgave me, there goes I. You're willing to leave people and trust God to reach them. Why is this important? Because there is no functional healthy faith that is not tied to a life that is full of love. Perfect love casts out fear. It is a life void of fear, void of insecurity. The righteousness of faith that we come to. That's where strong faith comes from. It comes from a place free of fear, free of guilt, free of shame. Free of the need to manipulate and control. Did I miss the bell? Okay. Why am I emphasizing this? There is no love, there is no faith walk without a strong walk, love walk. I heard it said consistently being around Rema campus that as much as Brother Hagin emphasized faith, the, the thing that stood out most in his life was love walk. Listen to me. I said this earlier. I'll say it again. This thing of using social media to get at people, we need to stop it. Social media is not the place to go and discuss the affairs of your church that you are not happy with. I will say it again. 
Social media is not the place to go discuss the affairs of your church that you are not happy with. Social media is not the place to go and hit out at your in-laws, to go and hit out as your spouse. The love of God does not do that. You know you've hit enough when you people just go quiet. We need to be careful about there are just some times that you don't do you don't touch that social media. Your carnality wants to use it to respond. Deal with your stuff. Go back to God and let him heal your heart. Let his love cleanse your pain. Go back to that cross and see what it cost him to forgive you. And afresh, find value. Esteem that sacrifice. Like Paul says, I made up my mind not to know anything except Jesus and him crucified. Let the crucified Christ reveal to you afresh how much he loves you. Let love perfected displace fear, displace pain, displace anger. Remember what we saw from James chapter 4. The reason you're not receiving is because of strong desires. You, at some point, you will have to esteem the experience and the reality of him being made sin with your sin above the pain, above the rejection that you're dealing with. You will have to esteem God's word higher. You will have to esteem the cross higher. That is faith. It takes faith to do that. Faith is not all about money. Faith is getting past that experience. Faith is getting past that rejection. Faith is getting past that failure. You will have to open his word and read 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. He's the God of all comfort and mercies that comfort us in all tribulations that we may be com we will comfort others with the comfort wherewith we're comforted of God. And open it and say, God, I need comfort from you. Having received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us receive grace. Open up yourself to his comfort. Don't go to the, and start typing and take comfort from you getting it off your chest. Go to God and let his word by faith Receive strength. Let's pray and I'll let you off a little early. <laughs> Maybe I'm wiped. One final question. You know, I'll be unjust to allow you to ask the question. There's a lady there has raised her hand consistently. Let's take our question and end. She's been raising her hand. Let's someone get a mic to her.
I understand the place of positive confessions, but I would like to understand if it's scriptural. It is scriptural right to answer. I'm going up while in an elevator where the individual is actually going down. <laughs> Sweetheart, if the elevator is going down, you're going down. How do you memorize scripture with references? So many that you can refer to them. No shortcut, you just have to read it. You have to commit to it, then read. No, Pastor Tox is not like one of us. I, I'm serious, I'm serious. He's not, you can't equate him with, he's, he's a human being like one of us, but his memory is a little more. I promise you, I've known him for 28 years, and when I met him 20 years, first times I met him, he quoted from Ephesians 1 to the end of almost Ephesians 3. That's not normal. It's not. For the rest of us, he's reading it and reading it over and over and over and over, then confessing, then declaring it. And a lot of that is, remember, is not for public seeing. It's for you cultivating it personally. It's cultivating it personally. Let's hear that lady real quick. My question is with regards to praying and having faith when you pray. Does it mean that when you pray once, you thank God that you have received what you prayed for? Because in Luke 11, 9 and 10, Amplified Version says, ask and keep asking. Is it faithless when you keep asking or it's not clear? And then the okay. unjust judge, when Jesus said, you know, because the woman kept asking and asking, he was forced to do what he wanted. Okay. In that question, in Luke 11, he was talking about the importunity in prayer. God is not an unjust God, so it's different from that guy. What he was trying to emphasize is the, is the, is the importunity, the brashness to, to ask, the audacity to ask. Unrighteousness makes you feel like, you know, I'm not sure. Which is how I say, if you enter into your house and your children, or if your car enters the house and your children bail out, that's not righteousness. You are breeding unrighteousness in your kids. Righteousness should make us go towards. So that scripture in this context is talking about importunity in prayer. The confidence to come to get and ask. But having said that, having said that, this is the issue about prayer. Brother Higgins says this and I've believed it with all my heart. The danger many times in prayer is we don't understand that there are different kinds of prayers. And different rules govern different kinds of prayers. So just like basketball, the rules of basketball is different from the rules of golf. It's different from the rules of ice hockey. It's different from the rules of football. Different from the rules of cricket. Different from the rules of American football. In the same way, and I believe that we have a class on prayer, where you'll study the individual prayers, understand the definition of each prayer, the principles and circumstances that govern each prayer, then most importantly, be yielded to the Holy Spirit to pray the right prayer in each situation. So when we talk about, notice what I didn't talk about. I didn't talk about Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four is the prayer of petition, also known as the prayer of faith, that based on the principle of faith, I now take what is provided for me personally 
and acts and in accordance that when I prayed, I received and I go on acting until it shows up. That is the prayer of faith. Different from the prayer of intercession, the prayer of supplication, different from the prayer of thanksgiving, different from the prayer of um, um, prayer of consecration, prayer of committal. So there are different kinds of prayers. But when it comes to the prayer of petition, me taking what is provided in the sacrifice of Jesus, I don't need to keep praying to receive. I receive it first by prayer, and I keep giving thanks, knowing that it's mine, that I got it when I prayed. God bless you. Have a great evening. All died in faith, having not received the promises. So their dying was the their dying underscored the fact that each showing up is not the evidence of being in faith. Receiving it is the evidence of being in faith. Their dying before they received it showed that they still were in faith. So you receiving it is not the evidence of being in faith. You physically taking possession of that which you believed for is not the evidence that you believed. From the perspective of God, when God, Abraham believed God, God counted it to righteousness for him. Even before the actions showed it, when his heart embraced God as honorable to do what he said he would do, God treated him as righteous. That's what you and I need to resolve. And the pressure is, we live even in a Christian environment that says our faith is validated when it shows up. So really our pressure is we're allowing people put pressure on us. Go back to that place where it's between you and God. Go back to that place where it's about you and God. One of the most alarming scriptures in my mind is David's statement, you alone have I sinned against. David, you killed a man. You gave his wife, Bele. And you are saying, you alone have I sinned against. That is the mind of a man that knows that for him to dwell in the temple of God is this one thing. One thing. This is the only thing my heart strays and yearns for. This is the only thing that I stretch and long for. Our problem is we allow ourselves yearn and stretch for too many things. Too much of this world tugs on our heart. And that's the only reason why a man will make a statement that it is because someone doesn't have great faith that he'll be martyred for his faith. No, sir. People that martyred for their faith is the, out of their love for the master. It's out of their love for the one that gave his life for them. They said they counted it an honor to be punished for his name. That is found in the place of the crucified life. That is found when we as a church go back to the place where being pleasing to him is all our lives is for. Galatians 2.20. 
For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. That kind of consecration to the master that owns our life. Is the consecration that by faith. They refused to, re to accept deliverance because they knew it was in God's will. That's the consecration that this money-driven, external, stuffed Christianity has taken our hearts away from. He redeemed our lives, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood, it cost God everything to buy us back. And until we get to that place, the souls for whom he died will never be a priority for us. The great harvest that he talked to us about that is already white will never be a priority for us. It will be buildings, it will be stuff, it will be success, it will be everything else but souls. You will never set your eye on a person that Jesus did not die for. I felt God tell me this. 80 million Muslims is not acceptable to the cause of the cross in Nigeria. No. No. You notice how it got quiet in here. 18 million Muslims is not acceptable to the cause of the cross. We can keep playing church. We can keep acting like a new building, a new jet, a new is all that is important. But that's not what that cross is for. He died for souls. He died for souls. He died for souls. He died for souls. That cross was about the souls of humanity. He went to hell for all of humanity. And no man deserves to die without hearing that gospel preached in clarity at least once. The preaching of the gospel is a spiritual human right for every human being. And until we get off this Christianity that is preoccupied with stuff, we've missed our way. Oh, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. We've missed our way significantly. And part of why you're in this school is to recalibrate. It's about the lost. To reach the least regions of this world. It's about the lost. That's what is on your syllabus. It's about the lost. I'm already deep now, so don't stop. Oh, I will. You see, the message of faith is about developing trust in God to see his kingdom come in the earth. Will it meet my personal needs? Absolutely. But for me to think my personal need is a preoccupation, I've missed direction. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He came to introduce a kingdom that we were supposed to enter through the new bat and make a preoccupation to invite others to enter. The nurturing and the cultivating of our faith is obedience to him to do everything 
and to reach everyone that he called us to reach. And that is why for me, this issue of love is a big thing. I felt God put in my heart some time ago. Every form of prejudice, every form of prejudice, racial, tribal, um, social, economic, educational, anything that makes you judge a person by externalities and not judge them by the value that God placed on their soul to go to the cross to die for them is designed for you and I to undermine the lost and not be passionate for the people he died for. The essence of faith is for you and I to go. The reason for faith is to trust him and obediently to go. To people that may not look like you, to people that may not sound like you, to people that may not care for you, to people that may not like you, to people that may flat out hate you, but just like he came and loved us enough to give his life, that if it requires it, we will give our lives. That is Christianity. That is Christianity. These things of acquiring stuff is child's play. What he's inviting us to is a depth of a relationship with him so that we feel his heartbeat and we recognize that as the clock of time winds down, our time is short and we must do all we need to do. The truth about it is on the mountain of obedience, there's provision. Some of the things you and I are struggling about, the truth is if we were in the place where God asked us to be, your provision will be there. I am a personal testimony to that. About three years ago, God started dealing with me about leaving pastoral ministry. I love pastoring. I enjoy pastoring. Maybe my problem is I enjoy it too much. Funnily, God spoke to me that I was not going to be a pastor. More than 20 years ago, some of what I'm doing now in ministry. And I didn't think I was going to pastor this long. I got so used to pastoring that when he started telling me it was time up, I started struggling with it. Eventually, I shook off and admitted I dealt with my pastor, we worked out a strategy, and over a three-year period, I transitioned. It will be one full year next month. One full year of not drawing a five-figure salary in the United States, living in D.C. with kids in private schools. And God has met our needs because I was obedient to him. Listen to me. I'm not saying that to say I'm better than anybody else. I'm saying that for most of us, we are not in the place where he told us to be. On the mountain of obedience, you will find his provision. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you it's going to be all comfortable. I'm saying if you do what he tells you to do, go where he told you to go, to deliver what he told you to deliver, he will take care of your needs. And you won't have to arm twist and manipulate people. So the issue is, do we have enough faith to believe him how do we cultivate that faith? Let's round up, up with those thoughts. So I use those long phrases to say, faith is being convinced of what you're hoped for. And we spend time emphasizing in this session that being convinced comes primarily with spending time with the Father, knowing who you are in the Son, and yielding to the person of the Holy Spirit in worship. Primarily through his word. 
primarily through his word. You, you and I have to make reading his word, meditating his word, a greater priority. A greater priority. Spending time meditating on the entirety of the counsel of his word. Yes, we affirm that the reality of who we are is found in the epistles. But the whole counsel is inspired. We have to recommit to that. We have to recommit to that. We have to recommit to quality prayer. Not this gimme, 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 bless me and Jimmy prayer. Prayer that is God, your heart must become my heart. What you want is my desire. This life is yours. Your will, O oh God. A prayer that is steeped in consecration. It, humility has to become of greater value to us as a group of people. Our culture abhors humility. We're condescending on humility in our culture. Pride and arrogance is rewarded. We have to model against that from a place of prayer. That's how to cultivate strong faith. Let's round up. Remember what I said? There are three primary areas to faith. What faith is, which is the only thing I've dealt with, how faith comes, and faith must be released. Like I told you, you will not find a better human being on earth, in my opinion, than Reverend Tokumbo Adeju want to deal with that, and he will. So this is what we're saying. Faith is being sure or being certain or being confident or being convinced or being persuaded of things hoped for. Any of those words. And what I try to emphasize is that conviction, that certainty, that confidence, that persuasion is not mental. It's something that comes from spending time in the presence of God and in his word. A few more thoughts. Faith in God is faith in his word. What we see in John 1, verse 1 to 3, and John 4, 1, 14, is this emphasis that the word is God. To put faith in God is to put faith in his word. Someone please turn to Numbers 23. Numbers 23, okay, I'm already there. 23, 19. Secondly, God's word has integrity. This whole ministry, Rema Bible Training Center, is built around the integrity of God's word. The wholeness that is found in God's word. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken it and shall he not make it good? God's word has integrity. And we allow the word of God that has integrity build surety, build certainty, Build confidence, 
build persuasion of the things we hope for. God's word has integrity. Numbers 23, 19. John 6, 63 also underscores that fact. His word is spirit and life. So we're talking about the fact that faith in God is faith in his word. That God's word has integrity. We're saying faith then is the warranty, is the title deed, is the receipt, is what you're holding on that what you hope for, you will get it. Nothing else is the title deed. If someone asks you, how do you know you believe? You can say, according to God's word, I said and declared this in prayer. That's all. That's the evidence. Is the title deed that you're holding on to. My wife and I agreed concerning that based on Matthew 18, 18. That's our evidence. Certainty. God's word is the warranty, the evidence. This is also important. Faith is giving substance to things hopeful. It's your faith, God bless you, that feeds your hope. You keep expecting. You keep expecting. Some, I know it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Why it's going to happen? Because we're standing on God's word. Because we declared. That's the difference. Faith is a now proposition. Faith is not saying it shall come. Faith says, I got it. It may shall come, but I got it. I'm not saying it won't come. It will come. But the reason it will come is because I already received it by faith. My receiving it by faith is the reason I'm giving thanks for it before it shows up. Faith feeds your hope. It gives substance to hope. It supplies strength to your hope. It keeps your hope alive. The reason you're expecting is because of your faith. Next one. Faith grasps the, the realities. Faith grasps. It holds the reality of the realm that is unseen. It grasps of the realm that is unseen. Because faith is of the heart. It holds it. It holds it. It holds it. That's why you go back to that scripture over and over. Over and over. In this, when God spoke to our hearts about moving, same phrase, passed out five, six years in the city of London. God spoke to our hearts that it was time to move and gave us specific instructions. Then he gave me that scripture in, in Titus 2.11 to 13. That was the scripture to, to guide our transition. Find a scripture that covers your case. Then look, go back to that scripture. Sometimes when it seems he gives you a scripture that seems unconnected, you keep meditating on it. Light will come. Light will come. Remember what I said? 
The pioneering spirit is the spirit of faith. That nobody has done it like you're doing it business-wise. That nobody has done it like you're doing it ministry-wise. Provided God's word has spoken to you and his spirit has witnessed in you, do it. Three years ago, when God dealt with me and I went to my pastor, I said, I believe God is telling me to start two organizations, a non-profit organization and a travel ministry. It was crazy to even start one at that point in time. 2016, November, I, I'm leading two organizations. And he's provided for both. For someone that has never started organizations in his life. And it's not because I have connections. It's just simple an act of faith. What we do in Haiti. Someone said, asked me recently, he said, how's Haiti? I said, he said, he must have gone up to 50 times. I said, not yet, only 27 times. But we keep going in obedience. In obedience. In obedience to him. We did it in wisdom. We submitted to authority. But there's no compromise to obeying him. None. Faith grasps the realities of the unseen realm. Your hope for physical strength to do work you must do comes by faith. You know, when it comes to this, and let's just hit this issue here because we touched it a little bit with mom's question. Being in faith is not an excuse for sloppiness. It's not. The way some of us treat our bodies is just irresponsible. Coming from someone that is sometimes irresponsible. The way some of us treat our bodies is irresponsible. Coming from someone that is sometimes irresponsible. We need to eat better. There's some late eating that is not evidence of wisdom. And I have that unique challenge because I don't like eating before I preach. So when I eat late and I, it just worries me, then the weight comes. Then you want to believe God. And you don't go to gym. How does that have to do with faith? Everything. You are going to want to believe God for long life. You are going to want to quote that scripture with long life. You just satisfy me. Then the eating habits are off. Your faith grows by knowledge. There's some things just natural knowledge. You have to... Many times in the place of faith, we avoid this thing of accountability. Find people that are believing with you and let them change the habits that serve faith. Notice, faith takes steps. Talks about Romans 4. Walking in the steps of our father Abraham. Steps of faith. Many times we want to take leaps. Take small steps first. Make up your mind you won't eat after seven. Make up your mind that if you eat after seven, it will be vegetables or fruits. That sounds like what does that have anything to do with everything? 
you are going to want to believe God for healing. Some of the issues of healing that some of us will deal with in 10 years is eating habits now. Is spending habits that affect believing God for money habits. There are appetites that we're developing are spending that is just covetous. Oh, what does this have to do with faith? Everything. How much you spend on yourself affects what you send to the mission field. I've already said this, but I'll emphasize it again. Faith looks back to the finished work of redemption and believes in it now. Though the work was finished then, you must believe that I am accepted in the beloved now by faith. That the pain of the guilt of an abuse the shame associated with the abortion of a baby, the shame associated with a failed, of, failed marriage, I am accepted in the beloved now. That's faith. You have to forgive yourself by faith. Faith is now. Use your words to emphasize it. I release Forgive unforgiveness over that situation. I receive forgiveness over that situation by faith. God has forgiven me. I forgive myself by faith. I think I have about 10 minutes. Let's talk about the love of God. Scripture talks about faith that works by love. I made this statement yesterday, and I'll qualify it now. The way you love the person you like is the mirror-perfect reflection of your love for God. We'll say it again. The way you love the person you like the least is the mirror-perfect reflection of your love for God at its highest. In Mark 12... Verse 28, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the number one commandment? Jesus responds, quoting from Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I said, is either Jesus did not hear the question or he wanted to emphasize something. Because when you ask someone who is the greatest heavyweight champion boxer of all times, everybody says, Muhammad Ali. You don't say, uh, Tyson. No, no, no. Once you say two, there's no greatest. What's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. The second is like unto. The, the word there, like unto, is the answer to the question. 
is the Latin word H-O-M-O-I-S-E. It means of the same essence and character, equal in essence, not restricted by time or space. It's same. In other words, the first one is the same in essence as the second one. The second one is really an extension of the first one. So I felt God tell me this. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. He took me to this scripture in Genesis and the fourth chapter. Did we talk about this? Cain and Abel? Oh. Cain brought a sacrifice unto the Lord. Abel brought a sacrifice unto the Lord. The Lord accepted him and his sacrifice. And he had witness by his sacrifice. Hebrews tells us in 11. Cain, the Lord rejects something in his heart that flowed into his sacrifice and rejected not just his sacrifice, but him. And I said that as a caveat, that we collect your offering in church doesn't mean God collects it. But that's a subject for another day. So God goes back to him and said, why are you rot and your face distorted? I've just corrected you on something. Why are you acting like you're making a big deal? Sin is actually what is causing this distortion. You need to master it. If you don't master it, it will master you. That was the last conversation God had with anybody under the old covenant about the being called sin. So the question came, who corrected Cain? Bible students, who corrected Cain? Who was Cain angry with? You're jumping. Who was Cain angry with? Why? Because God corrected him. Who did Cain kill? Who did God, who did Cain kill? Who did Cain kill? His brother Abel. Who was he angry with? How you treat people is really how you want to treat How you treat people is really how you treat I use this illustration quite frequently. When I started pastoring in the, in the United States 2006, within like two, three months, I must have had this statement a ton of times. I'm mad with God. You'll be in a counseling session here. I'm mad with God. And my Nigerian liver quivered for them. My, my liver will just shake a little inside. You are mad with God. And over a few months, I kept processing this. I'm mad with God. I was saying, I'm mad with God. I'm mad with God. Then I felt God tell me once and say, you know, you are mad with me many times. You're just too religious or too superstitious to say it. 
That's not only true of me. That's true of you all. How you treat people is really how you treat God. We've evolved a theology that makes us comfortable with going, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Then you can come out of that and go, you decrease, you not see. Because in our mind, I can love you, Lord. I can love you, Lord. You decrease, you know they see. No, 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 no. How you love the person you like the least is the mirror-perfect reflection of how you love God at his highest. Look with me to 1 John and the fourth chapter. 1 John 4. 1 John and chapter 4. Let's zip down to verse 19. Someone just broke the seal on a can of worms. He said, all of you that beat your house girls. (laughs) Verse 20, verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he had seen, How can he love God who he had not seen? Verse 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. One translation says, the commandment we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. New Living Translation says, He that loves God must love his brother also. How you treat people is exactly how you treat God. But listen to me. You were not designed to love people in your strength. Remember that scripture we saw in Ephesians 1 from the... Message translation, verse 3. He says, he made us the focus of his love to be made whole and holy in love. God's master plan is that daily coming to the foot of the cross, daily being mindful that it was my sin that placed him on that cross, that it was my sin that sent him to hell, That me coming to the cross to embrace his love afresh, a fresh download of Lord floods my soul. A fresh appreciation of his love for me floods my soul. And as my soul, my spirit, my being is saturated with love, in the same way that towel is saturated with water when it is deep, as I am saturated with love afresh, 
with a deep sense of humility, but for his mercy and grace. I leave that place of encounter with him, and I go to spill the love afresh that I received afresh. Because in that place of receiving downloads of love is where love of God displaces the fear that drove my actions, that displaces the shame that drives my actions, that displaces the guilt that inferiority that drives my action. Perfect love displaces, casts out fear. Once that fear is displaced, then the, that thing of, ah, me, forgive them, never. Uh, it, it doesn't come out. Why? In the place of love, 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 love transforms me. Oh my God, that, that blesses me. That's good preaching right there. The transformation, the metamorphosis is not something we can do to ourselves. The metamorphosis is what we do, making ourselves available to love, to, to, to displace. Just like a dirty cup under a leaking water faucet overnight. Little drops of love. You come in the morning and every filth is washed out of that cup. Why? By displacement. We come to the cross, the place of fellowship with the Father. And through fellowship, a displacing of fear. The fear that makes you speak out of anger. The fear that makes you trust that you know they want to get me. So I better get them before they get me. A place of knowing that he, my life is in his hands. He has my future. The omniscient one is trustworthy. He can take care of all that concerns me. He loved me before the foundation. A receiving by faith of his love displaces that fear. And you can come and look at someone that is despitefully using you and go, God bless you. And not mean it in that. God, God will get you. No, no, no. I'm talking about a love for him. A hu- <laughs> you, you know, as Nigerians, we have these phrases that only us can come up with. God will catch you. No, 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 no. Love, love, when love touches your heart and love softens your heart, you really don't want God to catch them. <laughs> in that sense. In that sense. Because you realize but for love. But for love that saved me. But for his grace that forgave me. There goes I. You're willing to leave people and trust God to reach them. Why is this important? Because there is no functional healthy faith that is not tied to a life that is full of love. Perfect love casts out fear. It is a life void of fear, void of insecurity. The righteousness of faith that we come to. That's where strong faith comes from. It comes from a place free of fear. Free of guilt, free of shame, free of the need to manipulate and control. Did I miss the bell? Okay.
Why am I emphasizing this? There is no love, there is no faith walk without a strong walk, love walk. I heard it said consistently being around Rema campus that as much as Brother Hagin emphasized faith, the, the thing that stood out most in his life was love walk. Listen to me. I said this earlier. I'll say it again. This thing of using social media to get at people, we need to stop it. Social media is not the place to go and discuss the affairs of your church that you are not happy with. I will say it again. Social media is not the place to go discuss the affairs of your church that you are not happy with. Social media is not the place to go and hit out at your in-laws, to go and hit out as your spouse. The love of God does not do that. You know you've hit a nerve when people just go quiet. We need to be careful about... There are just some times that you don't, do, you don't touch that social media. Your carnality wants to use it to respond. Deal with your stuff. Go back to God and let him heal your heart. Let his love cleanse your pain. Go back to that cross and see what it cost him to forgive you. And afresh, find value. Esteem that sacrifice. Like Paul says, I made up my mind not to know anything except Jesus and him crucified. Let the crucified Christ reveal to you afresh how much he loves you. Let love perfected displace fear, displace pain, displace anger. Remember what we saw from James chapter 4. The reason you're not receiving is because of strong desires. You, at some point, you will have to esteem the experience and the reality of him being made sin with your sin above the pain above the rejection that you're dealing with. You will have to esteem God's word higher. You will have to esteem the cross higher. That is faith. It takes faith to do that. Faith is not all about money. Faith is getting past that experience. P faith is getting past that rejection. Faith is getting past that failure. You will have to open his word and read 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. He's the God of all comfort and mercies that comfort us in all tribulations that we may, be we may comfort others with the comfort wherewith we're comforted of God. And open it and say, God, I need comfort from you. Haven't received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us receive grace. Open up yourself to his comfort. Don't go to the, and start typing and take comfort from you getting it off your chest. Go to God and let his word 
by faith receive strength. Let's pray and I'll let you off a little early. <laughs> Maybe I'm wiped. One final question. You know, I'll be unjust to allow you to ask the question. There's a lady there has raised her hand consistently. Let's take our question and answer. She's been raising her hand. Let's someone get a mic to her. I understand the place of positive confessions, but I would like to understand if it's scriptural. It is scriptural right to answer. I'm going up while in an elevator where the individual is actually going down. Sweetheart, if the elevator is going down, you're going down. <laughs> How do you memorize scripture with references? So many that you can refer to them. No shortcut, you just have to read it. You have to commit to it, then read. No, Pastor Tox is not like one of us. I, I'm serious, I'm serious. He's not, you can't equate him with... He's, he's a human being like one of us, but his memory is a little more. I promise you, I've known him for 28 years. And when I met him 20 years, first times I met him, he quoted from Ephesians 1 to the end of almost Ephesians 3. That's not normal. It's not. For the rest of us, he's reading it and reading it over and over and over and over, then confessing, then declaring it. And a lot of that is, remember, is not for public seeing. Is for you cultivating it personally. It's cultivating it personally. Let's hear that lady real quick. Uh, my question is with regards to praying and having faith when you pray. Does it mean that when you pray once, you thank God that you have received what you prayed for? Because in Luke 11, 9 and 10, Amplified Version says, ask and keep asking. Is it faithless when you keep asking or it's not clear? And then the okay. unjust judge, when Jesus said, you know, because the woman kept asking and asking, he was forced to do what he wanted. Okay. In that question, in Luke 11, he was talking about the importunity in prayer. God is not an unjust God, so it's different from that guy. What he was trying to emphasize is the, is the, is the importunity, the brashness to, to ask, the audacity to ask. Unrighteousness makes you feel like, you know, I'm not sure. Which is how I say, if you enter into your house and your children, or if your car enters the house and your children bail out, that's not righteousness. You are breeding unrighteousness in your kids. Righteousness should make us go towards. So that scripture in this context is talking about importunity in prayer. The confidence to come to get and ask. But having said that, having said that, this is the issue about prayer. Brother Higgins says this and I've believed it with all my heart. The danger many times in prayer is we don't understand that there are different kinds of prayers and different rules govern different kinds of prayers. So just like basketball, the rules of basketball is different from the rules of golf. It's different from the rules of ice hockey. It's different from the rules of football. Different from the rules of cricket. Different from the rules of American football. In the same way, and I believe that we have a class on prayer, where you'll study the individual prayers, understand the definition of each prayer, 
the principles and circumstances that govern each prayer, then most importantly, be yielded to the Holy Spirit to pray the right prayer in each situation. So when we talk about, notice what I didn't talk about. I didn't talk about Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four is the prayer of petition, also known as the prayer of faith, that based on the principle of faith, I now take what is provided for me personally and act in accordance that when I prayed, I received and I go on acting until it shows up. That is the prayer of faith. Different from the prayer of intercession, the prayer of supplication, different from the prayer of thanksgiving, different from the prayer of, um, um, prayer of consecration, prayer of committal. So there are different kinds of prayers. But when it comes to the prayer of petition, me taking what is provided in the sacrifice of Jesus, I don't need to keep praying to receive. I receive it first by prayer, and I keep giving thanks, knowing that it's mine, that I got it when I prayed. God bless you. Have a great evening. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.